This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Sirius XM Channel 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. And I'm um, Kent Smethers, a professor here in Philadelphia. And remember, we have new episodes of the show premiere every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We're still not taking live calls, but if you're looking for a fee-only financial advisor, you can go to my website, Kent.Money. Dot com. Now, I've talked about 401k plans often on the show, and I bet there are still some people listening who do not have one or they have no idea what their portfolio contains or how it's being managed. And today's show will examine why you need to think about participating in uh, uh, your 401k and taking control and making sure you understand what's in there and how your assets allocations are changing over time, especially in light of the current market volatility. Um, My guest this week is James Royal, who covers investing health and wealth management, that is, for bankrate.com. James, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you, Kit. Glad to be here. And so, James, there's evidence that more people have been focused on their financing, um, you know, since the pandemic and the quarantine. Uh, Of course, maybe a a little more time, but also maybe they're just, you know, more nervous. So what is it that you guys have been seeing uh, at Bankrate? Yeah, so I think it's exactly that, right? What we've been seeing is people really concerned writing in saying, all right, what should I be doing with my money? Do I still stay invested? Do I? Uh, And really, people are seeing it as a choice between getting out entirely um, and and just simply doing doing nothing additional, right? Continuing on with their normal with their normal course. So um, uh, people are really, you know, really nervous, but this is really typical in a time like this. When you see a big market drop, you know, a lot of volatility, people want to know whether they should stay in or, or get out or, or what, what, what they should do. Yeah. And a lot of times during these, you know, panics and so forth, people get out, um, especially if the market falls and then they, you know, uh, the market comes back and then they get back in, you know, they've essentially sold when prices are low and bought when prices are high. Uh, are, are we seeing a lot of that in, in this particular uh, pandemic? I think it, it's almost impossible for uh, that not to happen, right? Yeah. People, people panic and then they come back in and you've seen for the first you know, a couple months of this bounce back, people people kept thinking, well, it's it's going to go right back down. It's going to go right back down again, and it really hasn't, right? We set new all time highs uh, just a few weeks ago, and we're still above where we were uh, earlier this year before the market plummeted, right? So uh, this oftentimes a, a drop like that, uh, such a volatile drop like that, ends up in in people. Uh, selling selling first and asking questions later and like you say end up um, selling low and buying back in again at a high price so it's the the only perhaps the only advantage of the situation this year is the volatility was so fast and the rebound so quick that it it might have happened much more quickly than people could actually react to it and make a mistake 
Yeah, I mean, we certainly saw that in 2008, 2009, where people got out in 2008, missed a run-up in 2009. And you're right, that was a little bit lower frequency relative to this year. So let's talk about what decisions investors should be making right now in terms of their portfolio. I mean, um, in your mind, do the rules change at all in terms of the, the current pandemic? I'm obviously the the volatility index has been higher than it has during kind of normal times, uh, but do you see the rules uh, changing at all? Uh, the, I, I think for investors who are really long-term oriented, uh, the rules simply don't change. You, yeah. you keep your long-term focus, uh, you keep investing every week. And again, this is why the 401k, for example, is a perfect vehicle for long-term investors, right? And you, you keep investing every week and you stick to that long-term mentality, right? We, we had, for example, um, you know, the 1987 stock market crash, the S&P was down 23% in a single day. You look yeah. back on that and that looks like the tiniest blip these days, right? And that's the type of long-term mentality that investors need to have. If you're not going to tap that money for 10, 15, 20 years or more, this is not going to matter. Right. Yeah. And certainly daily returns and things like that matter a lot when you have shorter horizons. Um, you know, when you're talking about very long horizons, then we start to think about a little bit longer returns. But right. it, it, let's think about, you know, where one's portfolio is too aggressive or maybe even too conservative. I mean, uh, you know, certainly there are lots of the simple rules that people have, you know, uh, using their age, for example, to figure mm -hmm. out the right stock bond allocation. Um, but how, in your mind, should be people be testing this uh, beyond just the simple rules? How, how do they know if they're being too aggressive or too conservative? Right. So uh, when we think about whether you're being too aggressive or too conservative, I mean, what we mean by aggressive, right, is really a heavily stock-focused portfolio. And what we mean by conservative generally is a heavy bond focus or even, even cash uh, in that portfolio, right? So uh, uh, that has to do, whether you're too aggressive or too conservative, has a lot to do with your time horizon, right? You, if you're 65 years old, uh, what, what you need is going to look different. What you need in your 401k is going to look different than if you're 25, 35, 45 years old, right? So you need you need a, at 65 you need a greater sure, uh, assurance that that money is going to be there, and so you tend to be have more bonds in that portfolio and be more conservative, yeah. right? Yeah, and certainly for for economists, the, the the way they will talk about it, it's not so much time horizon, but your human capital. When you're older, you you know, uh, pretty much all you have left is your financial capital. When you're young, you have this other asset called your human capital, and it mm -hmm. has it's more like a bond, less like a stock. So therefore, you want to rebalance your financial capital by having taken on more risk. And so, certainly, there are problems with being too aggressive or, um, you know, too conservative in, in both cases. Obviously, the much bigger problems is simply not saving enough. But you know, let's think about now timing one's retirement. Um, you know, that normally we think about it is how much you save and mm -hmm. you know your investments, and then you know for a given period of when you're going to retire, for a given date, I'm going to retire. Mm -hmm. you know, we just take that as given. I'm going to retire at age 65 or age 70, and now that's becoming part of the equation. <laughs> that's a third variable people are thinking about. You know, how do you help people think through? 
um, that issue in conjunction with with their level of saving as well as their investments. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah with yeah. I mean, you're right. There's another variable in here where you've got it. You've got to factor factor that in and. Uh, you know, all, part of part of the value, for example, of moving to a more conservative portfolio as you approach that when you're going to tap those funds is that you provide that certainty. You you eliminate some of that variable, right? But also, you know, one of the things you should think about is, hey, can you avoid tapping that money for a year, two years, three years? Give it potentially a chance to rebound, grow further, right? Do you have um, a spouse that that might be able to? Uh, continue earning for uh, a few more years. Uh, but on top of that, you know, another aspect of that we've got to think about, uh, especially if you are um, uh, retiring uh, in the next few years, is Social Security, right? They're predicting um, shortfalls by 2035 unless some significant changes are being made. Um, and right now, what I've seen is basically a 75% payout or so of your standard benefit. So you need to think also about, hey, look, I need some growth in my portfolio um, to, to counterbalance those, that potential shortfall. Yeah, and certainly and when it comes to Social Security, I, I run the Pendleton budget model and we now project Social Security due to COVID, you know, reducing the tax base, uh, it, the trust fund will deplete in about uh, 12 years, rough, yeah. roughly around 2031. And um, that analysis has been followed up by the CBO who came up with the same number just a few weeks ago. So things are not looking great for Social Security. As you pointed out, it's about three quarters of your benefit that you would get at that point. And that's not just for new retirees, that's across mm -hmm. the board you know, right. for everyone. So let's think about um, how often people should be reviewing their 401k portfolio. I mean, during normal times, we actually say, don't check it too much. We don't want, mm -hmm. you know, you'd engage in bad behavior or market timing and so forth. Uh, during kind of times like this, how often do you recommend people checking their 401k? The it's it's the thing is is it's hard you really you hit the nail on the head in terms of you really want to avoid uh, giving yourself an opportunity to to mess up or tinker with your long term plan if the long term plan is fundamentally solid right um, you we're we're so we're so investors get in there and they see that they've lost some money or they've gained some money and they just want to make these little tweaks that make it a little bit better um, and or avoid a little bit, you know, avoid some loss. Uh, I, I still think uh, unless unless there's some drastic change, still once a year is is still a good cadence. Um, that said, if the market has moved significantly, um, it might make sense to rebalance. Uh, if you've got, for example, you know, a 70-30 stock to bond uh, allocation and you know, the market's dipped, stock market has dipped significantly, it could make sense after that dip to, to allocate more into stocks to sort of bring that back up. You end up buying uh, stocks at a discount, which should be good for your longer term returns. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people are going to let their emotions come into this process. So I think still the best advice is to, um, to stick to that long term plan. Yeah. And then finally, the, the CARES Act, you know, Section 2, 2202 uh, allows people to 
take distributions out of their 401k while avoiding some of the normal penalties that they would uh, otherwise face. And some people said, you know, now's a good time to be borrowing against your 401k because of this, that. Um, uh, and others are saying, no, you know, there's a problem with borrowing is that you may never repay it and things like that. I mean, where, where are you coming down on that? It's, you know, one of the top regrets for people as they reach retirement is they didn't save enough, right? And so this is, uh, when you get in there, whether you take a loan or whether you, you know, just withdraw the money, uh, even if you can avoid that 10% penalty, if it's, if, if you have earnings on that money, you still owe taxes, regular taxes on that. You only get out of the 10% bonus penalty via the CARES Act. And again, if you've been uh, affected by COVID in some way. So, uh, I mean, to the extent that you can, it's, it's try to avoid it all, at all possible, um, if at all possible, taking money out of your 401k. It's, it just really is going to dent your long-term uh, retirement picture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that said, sometimes you can't, you can't get away from that, right? You, yeah. It's a real bad situation. You got to have the money and that's a source of the money. Uh, one option there is to take the loan, right? At least then you have the option to pay that money back in over the next few years so that uh, you, you could, you know, could get that money back inside the, the, the tax advantaged account. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, it's, and certainly, you know, the concern there often is that if you separate from your employer, you often have to pay that back very quickly or take a distribution at that point. And so, um, you know, and I completely agree with you. There are certainly cases under the CARES Act where mathematically you could be better off, you know, either taking a distribution or taking out a loan, but nonetheless, you know, I, there's a behavioral component to it as well. Are, are you really gonna replenish that account? So yeah, great work, uh, James. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you very much, Ken. And you can learn more about uh, James Royal uh, by going to uh, the bankrate.com website. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Jim Royal PhD. Again, that's at Jim Royal PhD. Um, Ken Smothers, this is your money. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 